0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello Buglers, and welcome to Bugle 65, for the week beginning Monday, the 2nd of March 2009, with me, Andy Zaltzman, here in the glorious city of London, and in New York City, Mr. John Oliver. Hello Buglers! Hello
1: Hello, Andy. Oh, you said hello to buglers as well. So do you see yourself as a bugler as well? Oh, well, you know. I am all things to all buglers, John. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really? Yeah. Big claim for the yeah. start of the bugle, Andy. <laughs> Huge claim. It's bugle time! I'm excited to be back after a week, Andy. Yeah. Can you tell?
0: I can tell, yeah. Did, yeah. You have, did you have a nice nice little break?
1: I did. Apologise to you for my absence last week. I was in St Thomas in the Virgin Islands trying to de-stress myself. I've become quite stressed. I, and what I did was I swam with a turtle. And that really did the trick. <laughs> and it's hard to be stressed around a turtle. I just don't think it can be done. In fact... I think all future Middle East negotiations should be done in a gigantic water tank with turtles swimming around. Yes, it'd be expensive to set up, but what price peace? That's right. Did Charles Darwin ever start a war? He did not. <laughs> he did not. At no point. I made it back from my ludicrous trip to Texas with President oh, Clinton. Yeah. We've been waiting for this. It culminated, Andy, in a five-hour dinner with him in his hotel room, <laughs> which I left at two in the morning. Just you and him? No, it was me, the 42nd president, Natalie Portman, Matthew McConaughey (laughs) and Nnamdi Asamoya, the all-star cornerback from the Oakland Raiders. (laughs) That is a group of people you would not expect to be in the same room. You might expect all the others to be eating dinner together somewhere. I think it's my presence which throws that whole gathering out of whack. Of the many, many highlights of the evening, he was talking about, uh, the president was talking about what TV programmes he likes now. And he said, yeah, "I don't get to watch. I'm going to do my Clinton impression now,
0: Andy. All oh, right, that much. Oh, I said I oh, wasn't that. That wasn't clear before you. Yeah. Out <laughs> I didn't get to
1: watch much TV when I was president, but now I got two favorite shows. First, Grey's Anatomy. Love that show. But my absolute favorite of all is 24. <laughs> he likes 24, mean I of course see, he does. You say that. I didn't see that coming. And I I pretty much said as much to him. And he said he said back, oh, no, you got to try it. This most recent season's their best yet. You should see the kind of things that Bauer's getting up to. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And he kept talking about 24 all night, even when we were talking about torture later on. And he said, I promise it's true. He said, you see, that's when you need someone like Bauer working for you. <laughs> The guy's incredible. I'm telling you, that Bauer gets things done. He said Bauer so many times. I started to question whether he 100 percent knew that he was a character
0: or not. <laughs> he probably thought it was a documentary about his last couple of years in office. And he had uh, Madeleine Albright. She was his Bauer, as far as I'm concerned.
1: That's right. God, you see the things she could do with a piece of lead lead pipe.
0: <laughs> I'll take you word for that, John. <laughs> We could probably do a Bill Clinton story every week for the rest of the yeah, year.
1: Yeah, to be honest, there, there are there are others. Maybe
0: we can split it up. We'll just feed them out gradually. So this is Bugle 65. 65, of course, is retirement age for people in Britain, but not for podcasts. So we're going on strong. <laughs> Until our relatives put a pillow over our faces in 20 episodes time. <laughs> it's the uh, Monday, the 2nd of March, uh, this episode is for John, which means that it is uh, 55 years and a day. Since the 1st of March, 1954, when America heroically broke the world record for the biggest ever bang, they laid down an 8 bomb reputedly 1,000 times more bangy than the Hiroshima <laughs> Kaboom. 15 megatons of pure wax spanked out on a Pacific archipelago, vaporising an atoll and really screwing over a load of innocent fish. Of course, the Soviet's later went bigger in 1961 with a 50 megaton whopper. <laughs> that
1: sounds like a Burger King meal. <laughs>
0: They certainly both do strange things to your intestines. <laughs> <laughs> I think as a, as a species, John, we're just not quite as good at blowing up Pacific Islands as we used yeah, to be. True. You know, the French were really good at it back in the day, and uh, the Americans really leading the way. As always, some sections of the bugle are going straight in the bin. This week, they include a meaningless list of the world's ten most meaningless lists. Beloved, of newspapers in the modern world, these most meaningless lists include the top 25 shoelaces of all time, the world's ten most ordinary benches, the A to Z of plastic cups, the greatest 36 breakfast cereals of the 1980s, and celebrities' three favourite limbs. This week, Debbie Gibson, she's gone with both of her arms and her left leg. Disappointing for the right leg there. Also in the bin, a new fantasy audio demolition game. This week, we give you the audio of a condemned tower block just seconds before demolition. And next week, we'll give you the Big Kaboom. Also, before we start, every week from now on, on the Bugle, we will be joined by a special celebrity guest who will be with us throughout the show in a special soundproof safe. This week's celebrity in a safe is the former US Secretary of State, James Baker. Mr Baker, thank you for joining us. We will not be hearing from James Baker later in the show. Tom, can you put some more water in his bottle? I think he's getting thirsty.
1: Top story this week, and it's new New Deal time. New Deal 2. This time, it's newer. Prime Minister Gordon Brown uh, stated this week that the world needs a global New Deal to haul its sorry arse out of the economic deathbed which it's currently napping in. Uh, (laughs) Were those his exact words? Basically, yes. Uh, He argued, we need a global New Deal, a grand bargain between the countries and continents of the world. Well... Good luck with that, GB. Everyone loves a grand bargain. And this is all part of the EU's attempt to forge a common position ahead of the major G20 economic summit in London in April. And, yeah, that should be fine, Andy. The EU notoriously agrees on almost everything. They're like teenagers at the start of a relationship. Oh, my God, you like fishing quotas being relaxed? Me too! We're so in sync. Let's go carve our names into a tree.
0: EU BFF. Is that what you you were like as a teenager, John?
1: Yeah, that's right. If I could have ever found a girl who was pro fishing quotas being relaxed, (laughs) perhaps
0: my adolescence would have been different. Right. She was I never found her. Potential sea change for global banking. Gordon Brown said that the banking system must be based from here on on best principles. Of mm-hmm. course, until now it's been based on a mixture of worst principles <laughs> and no principles. True, that is true. So, this meeting was in Berlin where Brown made this uh, statement, and of course, British leaders do have something of a checkered history of coming out of meetings in Germany with meaningless <laughs> sound bites. So, let's hope. Gordon Brown's New Deal doesn't backfire quite as loudly as Big Neville Chamberlain's little piece of paper. The G20 Economic
1: Summit in London, Andy, that is going to be very exciting for you, having it right on your doorstep. Yeah, I, know, I, I know you're a huge, huge Economic Summit fan.
0: I love them, but I couldn't get tickets. They, were only, oh. they only had 20 tickets. That's, that's a shame. Gave To the leaders of the world's richest nations.
1: Didn't you turn up to Davos in a specially made replica costume of a draft taxation and customs <laughs> treaty? I did. That was a, that was a lot of lycra, Andy. Must have been hot <laughs> in the summer. Are you still going to take your autograph book down there and see if you can uh, meet with some of the
0: world's leading financial analysts? Oh well, yeah, I'd love mean, I'd love to do that. I'm sure. Alan, they'd Alan, lo- Greece man, Greece <laughs> Greece will you sign my book? <laughs> So, John, uh, what do you expect that this uh, New Deal uh, will contain? I mean, for me, I would predict that it will hopefully contain policies such as not totally destroying global economic stability through irresponsible short-term profiteering. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a possibility, although this would be something of an abandonment of a proud Western capitalist and human tradition. I think it's it's
1: possible, though, Andy, that uh, you could get a very effective New Deal, just a single sheet of paper with written in the middle of it, don't be an arsehole. <laughs> and if just if everyone who worked in finance just just laid that on their desk and they could look at it when they're about to do anything and they go, oh, I was about to be an arsehole, thank goodness. <laughs> I forgot about that new deal that I'm making
0: of not being the arsehole that I am. I think what the new deal should also include is some kind of scheme to make sure that uh, we bring down China with us because China yeah. are really poised to take advantage of this situation uh, but they are also dependent on us. To buy their stuff. So, to me, the situation is like when you're left with a friend in a cake shop, but there's only one cake left. So, what yeah. do you do? Do you eat the cake? Do you let your friend eat the cake? Do you share the cake? Or do you throw the cake out of the window, lock both of you inside the cake shop, and then release a hungry man-eating tiger dressed as a cake to eat both of you for lunch? It's got to be the last one. Well, it has, John, because le- you might not win, but at least your friend won't win either. And that's, Exactly. That's human nature, John. That's what we should do with the Chinese. And that's what's known as a happy death. <laughs> But it's, the,
1: the French called it the le joli mort. Did they, John? No. Nope. Well, you're very sprightly after your turtle swimming. Yeah, <laughs> obviously it won't last, but let, let's enjoy have it while it you, have does. Have you thought of
0: buying a turtle, just keeping <laughs> it in your bath?
1: Well, that would just be true. I haven't got a bath. Oh, I'll I If, I'll a, get, if I ever get a bath... And also, to be honest, if I ever get a bath, the peng- I want like a penguin first. <laughs> but if I get two baths, I'll, put a t- I'll get a turtle.
0: Love Guru too, John, then
1: you'll be able to afford two baths. Fingers crossed. Oh, it's talking of <laughs> oh, witch. Talking of witch, Andy. <laughs> That's right. I've brought home the gong. <laughs> Worst film of 2009. It's official. It's not an argument anymore. I, I, I was.
0: I, did you go to I the was, ceremony? Because I did think. <laughs> When I saw that you'd, you'd taken the, uh, the Razzie. Is it the, the Razzie? <laughs> it's the Razzie! The Razzie. When I saw yes. that you'd taken the gong for the Razzie, I did wonder whether the reason you weren't here last week because you, you were going to the ceremony and writing a yeah. speech.
1: That's right, yeah. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was a proud day. I was on a flight recently and there, were, there was a, uh, some films to choose from. The Love Guru was there and it, it had uh, two stars right. out of possible five. The next film you could uh, choose was Space Chimps, <laughs> which had three stars. Space Chimps
0: a superior film <laughs> to the one that I was in. Back to China. Things are not looking good for Hong Kong, John, because during the Chinese New Year recently, a, uh, uh, in a traditional ceremony, a Hong Kong official picked out a numbered fortune stick on behalf of the city, and he picked out number 27. And that, of course, is uh, the unluckiest of all numbers According uh, to Chinese tradition, and the Financial Times reported, a fortune teller at Chai Kung Temple, shrouding in incense and consulting the heavens for inspiration, declared that it meant Hong Kong could not isolate itself from global financial turmoil.
1: <laughs> is that true?
0: That's what that stick, that little numbered fortune stick meant. So 27 is, of course, a very unlucky number. It's the age when Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, yes, Jim Morrison, right. Robert Johnson, Brian Jones and Kurt Cobain all popped their clogs with varying yep. degrees of rock spectacularity. Pretty unlucky. Those guys. Number. This also the number of piano concertos penned by music whiz kid Mozart. He, unluckily, is now dead. Therefore, unluckily, doesn't get royalties from his still popular smash hits like Mozart's 27 piano concertos. That's tough luck for the Salzburg sizzler. 27. Also, the number of legendary racing driver Gilles Villeneuve's car. He, unluckily, died in that car. Uh, 27. The books in the New Testaments. That's an unlucky book because it is a tissue of lies from soup to nuts and has indirectly resulted in the deaths of thousands in wars to prove how true it is or isn't. That's uh, unlucky. Also, 27, the code for international phone calls to South Africa. That's unlucky, (laughs) as if you use it, you will have to hear one of the world's least attractive accents if you get through. William H. Toft was the 27th president of America. Taft. Toft. Toft. Taft. Taft. Toft. toft Taft. 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 Taft, ta- Taft, I was brought ta- up proper. I speak
1: the Queen's English. That could be the most shockingly British pronunciation Taft. you can make. President Taft. 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 How, how President pleasant to meet you, Taft. Taft.
0: He was, uh, he was so unlucky he got physically stuck in the White House bath. Or is it bath? He had, had to be crowbarred out of it by six White House aides and a gallon of butter, <laughs> apparently.
1: That's a true story. You're making this 27th up. president. Yeah, yeah, you cried wolf too uh, many that's, times. That's, that's wolf.
0: No. There's a wolf outside. Oh, Wikipedia says so. That's what that scene in uh, Last Tango in Paris was based on. <laughs> oh, and,
1: my God. And Andy <laughs> Zaltzman, that could what? be the bluest joke you've told on the Bugle. What got into you today? <laughs> Have you have you got a brandy and a cigar with you there?
0: <laughs> and a smoking jacket? This is going to be 18s and above, this bugle. Also, 27 coincidentally the number of performing snakes required to play a possibly authentic plate of spaghetti in Pasta the Musical. <laughs> the meeting was in Berlin, uh, John. It was to exchange tips uh, between these leaders on how to look especially serious and gloomy. And also, more particularly, how to talk whilst giving the impression that they have any more chance of fixing the crumbling, grumbling world economy than actor Ben Stiller has of becoming the 1923 Wimbledon Women's Single Champion. In other words, close to zero. Obama talking news now, and uh, President
1: Obama addressed a joint session of Congress for the first time on Tuesday night. Uh, this is often called a State of the Union speech, but was not officially called that this time, presumably due to the state the Union is currently in. An actual State of the Union speech might just involve the President wincing, shuffling his feet and saying, you know, not as bad as it looks if you, if you look at it from a distance and kind of cock your head over to one side. Yep. God bless America. See ya. The official line was that, seeing as this is a new administration, uh, they felt that they were not in a position to take responsibility for the triumphs or Disasters of 2008. OK, I mean, I get the disasters list, but what triumphs might those have been, Andy? <laughs> the, the Olympic medals in Beijing? I think that was basically it. And in fact, when you think about it, under a Bush administration, Michael Phelps won a record number of gold medals. But under an Obama administration, he's simply the world's most famous drug addict. <laughs> is that change America wanted to believe in, Andy? I mean, I know it doesn't apply, but is it? <laughs> During the speech, Obama stated that America faces a day of reckoning, which sounds like a Vin Diesel film or a wrestling event. Either way, he had my full attention. I I expected him to say there was an asteroid hurtling towards the Earth, which I suppose metaphorically there is. We just need a financial Bruce Willis to strap himself to it and divert it away from us.
0: That's my bailout plan. $3.6 $3.6 trillion, John. That's what he's pledged, I believe. Uh, that's quite a lot of wedge, John. I mean, I yeah. still get excited when I see 50 quid and used tenors. <laughs> and uh, it does seem to me that he's following up President Bush's Fingers crossed 2008 campaign with a new Here Goes Nothing 09 scheme. And I think there's other things he could have spent this money on, John. Uh, for that money, he could have bought probably 42 million motorboats and pretty good quality ones as well. Now, let's remember, everyone loves motorboats. Yeah. And the governments of the world could have clubbed their bailout money together to make sure there was maybe one motorboat per 100 people in the world. Now, this would have entitled everyone on the planet to at least one hour's motorboating a week. Now, aside from the obvious boost this would give to the beleaguered motorboat manufacturing sector, it is impossible to claim that the world would not be a happier place with everyone motorboating. It's true, Andy. I mean, it sounds like bullshit, but it's true. (laughs) Uh, David Gergen responded to the, the
1: speech, saying the first half of the speech was FDR fighting for the New Deal, the second half was Lyndon Johnson fighting for the Great Society, and we've never seen those two presidents rolled together in quite this way before. And he's right, Andy. It's the greatest presidential hybrid since they managed to crossbreed Taft with Grover Cleveland. (laughs) I don't know how they did it, but the result was spectacular. Sadly, there was a complication and the hybrid had to be chased down and shot.
0: (laughs) Well, you say that was FDR fighting for the New Deal. What it actually meant was FDR fighting with a nude eel and elongated... (laughs) Unclothed fish. What would a eel be clothed in? Well, I don't know, a jacket. Uh, well, <laughs> probably more likely, I guess, a sock. A long sock. <laughs> a formal sock. Yeah.
1: I suppose it's a formal occasion. Yeah. You know, you've got to respect the office. Half a pair of long johns. <laughs> Uh, some Republicans accused him of being light on detail in this speech as to what his economic plan is. But to be fair, that is what he spent the last two weeks explaining to journalists. <laughs> and a primetime TV address possibly isn't the best place for dense fiscal policy <laughs> discussion. You'll have people reaching for their remotes to change over to half-tonne mom. The Republican response to Obama's speech was delivered by Bobby Jindal. Now, Jindal is the governor of Louisiana. And, uh, Louisiana... God, you've, still, you've got me doing it now. Yes, just and say uh, it properly, John. It's a long A. A's a <laughs> long. G- Jindal was the great hope. Jindal. Jindal was the great hope of the Republican Party until shortly after he opened his mouth at the start of the speech. <laughs> it wasn't just what he said, but it was how he said it in a kind of squeaky, lilting, unsettling, creepy voice, <laughs> which made you feel as if he was talking to you like a two-year-old, and a two-year-old which didn't want to be alone with this man. <laughs>
0: He was—he uh, criticised Obama for pledging 140 million dollars to yeah. volcano monitoring. Yes, because. John, and he also kind of cited poor government response to uh, Katrina. And I mm-hmm. guess if there's one thing that Katrina has taught the world, it's to actively not prepare for environmental catastrophes. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Good one, Ginders. He added, I don't believe in volcanoes anyway. Who's to say they actually exist? Some self-proclaimed scientist, I expect. Makes me sick. Just because a mountain's got a temper doesn't mean we have to spend 140 million bucks monitoring it. <laughs> and what's with this healthcare spending shtick? I feel fine. <laughs> Jindal
1: celebrated his disastrous speech by uh, heading with his family straight on vacation to Disney World. (laughs) That is now going to be a kind of colourful wake for his political career. (laughs) I
0: hope Donald Duck has an absorbent shoulder to cry on. (laughs) So, will uh, Obama's scheme, uh, his $3.6 trillion scheme, work? Who cares? Well, the entire population of America, and by association, the rest of the world, his own well being is interrelated with that of the US economy. But other than that, John, who cares? (laughs) Other news now, and berries!
1: <laughs> finally, finally, all those berry farmers who've been listening to The Bugle waiting for 64 episodes Go, oh, come on, <laughs> something that's relevant to my life. Well, it's happening. Berries! Uh, a proposal to name the Marion Berry as the official berry of the state of Oregon. I love this story, <laughs> Has been scuppered by a man who grows, and I quote, a rival berry type. <laughs> He's in fact a blackberry farmer, the old enemy of the marionberry and objects to the fact uh, that it might get an unfair edge of the blackberries <laughs> if it becomes official. Now, you might be asking yourself now, what the f*** is a marionberry? <laughs> well, uh, it's a hybrid blackberry, so it's not even a different f- berry. <laughs> it's like Pepsi and Coke. I don't care what you say. They're the f- same. <laughs> now, Oregon accounts for around 90% of the world's marionberry crop. And this story throws up Three key questions, I think, here, Andy. One, um, does Oregon really need to have an official berry? (laughs) Can its berries not just live side by side on hedges around the state? Must we fight? Two, why are we arguing about berries? (laughs) And three, seriously, America is approaching economic (laughs) meltdown. Why are we arguing about berries?
0: Well, I guess I would say, in response to that, as the old saying goes, look after the pennies and the pounds will take care of themselves. So... If you look after what states have what official berries, then the overall economic picture will take care of itself.
1: (laughs) Now, Republican Vicky Berger, who spearheaded this campaign, has withdrawn her proposal now, saying, I'm not going to bat over internal disputes in the berry community. (laughs) (laughs) Berry community? It's no community, lady. It's a berry's viper's nest. It's kill or be killed out there. Do you know how many berry growers are murdered in Oregon every year? Neither do I, but
0: someone should find out, because it might be some. Because you grew up in uh, Bedfordshire. What, what's the official berry of Bedfordshire?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure if we have an official berry.
0: Really? In Kent, uh, it's the tiger berry. It's the official. It was this stripy, uh, like a cross between a, a raspberry and a tiger. Yell- yellow and black stripes, but a berry, but could kill you. <laughs> I mean, none of that
1: that you just said is true. Well,
0: that's neither here nor there, John. I mean, just because it's not true doesn't mean it's any less valid than anything you've just said. <laughs> Other news now, and former novelist Charles Dickens has been cleared by police of any involvement in a botched attempt to steal rare manuscripts of his own short stories from a vault in the British Library. Dickens, who turned 197 a couple of weeks ago from Westminster in London, failed to report to Snaresbrook Magistrates Court last week to answer charges of attempted burglary in failing to cooperate with a police inquiry, but was exonerated after it emerged that he had died in 1870. British Library security guard Branford Arboreal, 47, described the terrifying incident. I saw a guy with a beard on the pavement outside the library looking a bit shifty i thought to myself i bet that after those dickens manuscripts (laughs) and then i thought hang on That could be Dickens trying to pull an OJ. He wants his own memorabilia back, and he's probably packing heat. So I pulled my emergency library lockdown lever and opened fire. The guy ran away screaming, just like Dickens would have done. (laughs) I now accept with hindsight that the man in question was neither Dickens nor an associate of Dickens. But I maintain that what I did was right. I will guard those manuscripts with my life and with the lives of others, if needs be. And I'm sorry to hear that Dickens is dead. My condolences to his family. He was a top geezer and knew which end of a pen to hold. (laughs) Horace keeping you up at (laughs) night Andy Here's a a Charles Dickens fact John The rapper Chuck D Was named after Charles Dickens (laughs) So when he applied for the job as uh, vocalist for Public Enemy, he wrote on his application form that the Victorian novelist was an inspiration and someone whose work and beard I hope to emulate in the medium of rap adding, I know I can do this job and I hope you you will consider me for the position. He included with his application a six hour hip hop version of Dickens unfinished novel, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Edwin Drood, ironically was the nickname by which Dee's fellow Public Enemy employee, Professor Griff, referred to his own Todger. (laughs) And Professor Griff named himself after his own childhood hero, Jasper Griffin, the Oxford University Professor of Classical Literature.
1: Interestingly, the uh, the first draft of A Tale of Two <laughs> Cities begins, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Flavour! <laughs> Flav! <laughs> I, I think we're learning.
0: I can't take a week off. <laughs> feature section now. And the feature section is about... The official year 2009. That,
1: that's right, Andy. We're two months into 2009, <laughs> which seems the perfect time to do a two-month-late
0: look at the year ahead. Well, this is more, John, looking at what 2009 is the official year of. Because, okay. you know, every year is the official year of something. Uh, I mean, I guess 1945 was the official year of ending the war. 1966, the official year of England winning the World Cup. Yep. 1974, the official year of Andy Zoltzman being born. That kind of thing. mm mm-hmm. But 2009 is more so than any of them. It is the official year of three things, John. The official year of reconciliation.
1: Yes.
0: uh, The official year... We'll see about that. (laughs) Well, is that just pure coincidence that that is the first year after George Bush has left office? (laughs) That's right. When did they announce that? God, Nostradamus was right. (laughs) They announced it the, the day after the 2004 presidential election. Also, it's the international year of astronomy. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, John, and I think this really humbles us all. It's the International Year of Natural Fibres. <laughs> I know that
1: it's this is
0: the year, International Year of Natural Fibres is really to
1: raise awareness of natural fibres. Right. I'm not sure my awareness has been increased so far.
0: Right. You know, I mean, have you not felt you know when you put on like a polyester vest or whatever it is you wear in America these days? Have you not felt yourself feeling just a bit kind of like a traitor to a natural little bit fibers. man-made yeah.
1: yeah I mean I haven't really felt that way so far but I mean it's early days yet we're not even out of February yet
0: according to the official website of the International Year of Natural Fibres which I believe is sponsored by the United Nations the uh, the year is celebrating fibres produced by plants and animals it does not include modern man-made artificial and synthetic fibres such as rayon boo nylon boo, boo. acrylic boo, boo and polyester ah! <laughs> And also, tree fibres are not covered by this International Year. Whoa. But they will be one focus of the International Year of Forests in two thousand and eleven. Okay, well balanced. Yeah. So it is the International Year of I guess there's pluses and minuses of natural fibers, John. I guess one plus is that you're using Mother Nature's bounteous gifts and makes you feel at one with the planet that has enabled you to live. But on the minor side you could get eaten by a crocodile. I think that might be the
1: bravest setup to a joke I've ever heard. There are pluses and minuses in natural fibres. <laughs> guess the punchline there, kids.
0: I guess if it wasn't for natural fibres, though, John, we've got to look back to history. Mankind would still be wandering wandering around with balls and boobs akimbo like the sluttily exhibitionistic prehistoric hominids we once were. So, I mean, if you had to make a choice, John, what should yep. you prefer, plants or animal natural fibres? I mean, are you a flax man or a mohair man? <laughs> I don't think I'm either of those. I'm, really? trying
1: to, I'm trying to look at what I'm wearing now. I think I'm all. I'm glad you're much. actually
0: wearing something for once.
1: Well, that's right. <laughs> I'm not wearing much. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know what's a banana hammock made out of. <laughs> oh, it's
0: fifty-fifty. <50/50. laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> well, to mark the International Year of Natural Fibres, I will do the bugle for the rest of the year with a natural jute hemp bag over my head. Now, you said it was also the International Year of Astronomy. Yep, sure And as well. uh, uh, this got
1: me thinking about uh, a bin Laden, because <laughs> bin Laden released a new tape recently with the usual twitterings. You know, wah, 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 death <laughs> to the west, wah, wah, wah. He needs to find some new stuff. Anyway, <laughs> the, po- the point is... I started to think about astrology and Bin Laden was born on March the 10th making right. him a Pisces. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. I looked I looked at his horoscope for today and it was just interesting to see what he can look forward to. It says something's likely to knock your confidence a little today. <laughs> you may think you're not able to put your finger on the source of this setback straight away. It's probably going to be the west. Yeah, I
0: think the west. But, <laughs> yeah.
1: But perhaps you're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> Give yourself a little space to work out what the, what the problem is and how to put it right. Uh-oh. And I started looking at the official traits of Pisces, Andy. Now, their likes are feeling appreciated, feeling loved, freedom, stability, freedom. (laughs) I'm not sure about that. Stability, mystical settings, enchantment, dreaming, having their input valued (laughs) and being unique, dislikes, feeling vulnerable... Having no goals to move toward, feeling invalidated, that's certainly true, being criticised, he doesn't like it, illiteracy, noisy scenes and displays, uh-uh. <laughs> You've got to bump that up. Having no sense of structure and the West.
0: So, yes, it is, as you say, the International Year of Astronomy, John. If yep. you want to call it astrology, then, you know, I'm sure Galileo will be perfectly happy with that. <laughs> oh, f- him. <laughs> It's all to do with the stars, and it's all nonsense. You know, astrology is finding out what's going to happen to you in the next week or month. Astronomy is finding out extremely rough details of what was on fire thousands of years ago and billions of miles away. So I guess, you know, there's two ways of looking at every sky at night. But people often say to me, Andy, could you live without astronomy if astronomy was banned as a branch of witchcraft? And I say, I could, but if I owned a massive telescope, I'd be pretty pissed off. I think that says it all about astronomy. (laughs) And so here to mark International Year of Astronomy is a bugle constellation guide to some of the recently discovered constellations in the sky. These include the Swearing Nutcase, a constellation near Andromeda that looks like a mad old man shouting at a traffic cone... Dionysus' Chunda, a collection of supernovas on the edge of the Mamakas Memorial Galaxy, that on a clear night looks like the ancient Greek god of revelry puking his guts out into a ditch whilst flicking a V sign at Apollo and copping a Gorp at Aphrodite's waplets. And the Bon Jovi, an explosive megastar 40,000 rock years away, the sonic waves from which sound like the opening to You Give Love a Bad Name. Your emails now, and this one comes from Katie Priest in Indiana, and she writes, Dear John and Andy, my sister and I are going to visit the UK this coming fall. Oh? Uh, I believe if you're visiting the UK, you'll be visiting it this coming autumn, Katie. Anyway, just thought I'd get that out of the way. I was wondering, what are the top three must-see sites for a loyal bugler's first trip to London?
1: Ooh. Okay. I'm going to go Borough Market, Andy, that's one of my favourite things in London. Right. On a yep. Friday and a Saturday, probably go on a Friday, it's a little quieter, yep. because then you've got London Bridge and the South Bank to enjoy as well. Yep. Get some nice food from Borough Market, and wander down the South Bank, maybe past the Tate Modern and go over the new Wobbly Bridge.
0: All right. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd go for a more of a kind of bugle angle on this, and I would suggest that you go to the Florence Nightingale Museum which is uh, right by, I believe, St Thomas' Hospital, just on the south bank opposite uh, the Houses of Parliament. And once you've been there, frankly, you need to take the rest of the day off, <laughs> and then you'd probably want to sneak back out the next day in an overcoat. <laughs> and what about a third one? Well, you, I'd then just you know, I'd just probably take a walk to clear my head. So enjoy your trip! <laughs> Also, thanks to Stephen Hallam for his latest updates. You can still contribute to the Rudy Giuliani 2008 presidential campaign. Unbelievable. So thanks. Do do keep checking. Check back regularly. Check back every month, just in case. And we had an email from Adam
1: Birch, Andy, here. Now, this will officially stop the death threats (laughs) feature, which I'm not... I'm sorry this ever became a feature, but it stops here, Andy, because it's (laughs) starting to get creepy, and I'm not 100% sure everyone is joking. The death threats stop here. Adam writes, Dear John and Andy, after the recent spate of venomous death threats against you both, I thought I would send a supportive rejoinder. Sort of. I'm not actually going to say that i don't want you to be killed or that i would try and stop it from happening instead thank you <laughs> instead i'll say that if anyone is successful i will round up a posse yes i can say posse now are ah, the steady march of americanization and exact bloody vengeance upon the perpetrator <laughs> and as an added bonus anyone within a five mile radius just for being there and looking shifty <laughs> i hope that helps adam birch from the north of england as he writes where the vikings are the uh, real ones, not the city ones who stayed in Scandinavia. We started a civil war amongst buglers. <laughs> Fight it out.
0: And so do keep your emails flooding into the Bugle at timesonline.co.uk and don't forget to check out the all-new hyper-improved websites, albeit without the blog that I promised last week due to a few technical teething issues. But it'll be up soon. Tom, when, when's the blog going to be working? Whenever you decide to actually do some work. Ah, straight back at you So that that technical issue was whether you could do it I've been waiting all week, just just give me the go Give me the go Don't worry, we'll set it up, it should be ready next week Sport now And Tiger Woods is back, John Albeit that he's no longer back on the grounds that he lost his second match In the uh, WGC Accenture match play in, of all places, Arizona But he made his comeback, John on Wednesday, against the little-known Australian Brendan Jones. Now, we've all heard of Tiger Woods, John, but I'm not sure we've all heard of Brendan Jones. True. According to the official World Golf Rankings, he is the 64th best golfer in the world. But he's by no means the most famous player in the history of the game. And it was only really the profile of playing against Woods this week that has brought him to the public attention. In fact, before this week, even his own family didn't actually know that he played golf. His parents were asked by a journalist if they were excited about their son playing the Tiger, and they replied... Oh, he didn't know his local amateur dramatic group were doing a stage adaptation of the Winnie the Pooh stories. And his father said, I expect he'll be disappointed. He'd been gunning for the piglet role. Before being told that their son was, in fact, a pro golfer. They replied, well, we've never heard of him. They continued, well, we don't know exactly what he does. All we know is that he leaves the house for months on end, and when he comes back, he's got a deep suntan and loads of money. You've got to admit, it looks dodgy. So for the sake of family harmony, we thought it best not to ask. So that's it for the bugle this week. Uh, John, it's been a pleasure to have you back. It's great, it's been quite a giggly bugle this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it has, yeah. I'm too euphoric at being back. Right. Well, h- how well, old are you? You're 31. 31, yeah. Well, I'm 34. Yeah. And this is bugle issue 65. So this is the first time we've ever done a bugle issue that is the sum of our combined ages. Wow. Um,
1: Will we... there ever be another? Well, no, but
0: as no. I said, 65 is retirement age
1: so what's the forecast for this week whether the bugle will be back next week or whether we'll be in a rocking chair staring out of a window waiting for the blissful release of death yeah I guess that's the forecast which one
0: are you you going for don't know Andy we're tired (laughs) (laughs) so that's it from the bugle farewell James Baker thank you very much for being with us and if there are any famous people you would like to (laughs) not hear on the bugle in our special safe do email (laughs) us in your suggestions bye
1: bye bye have a lovely week